You're listening to the Trailblazers podcast, episode eight with Tyvee Small. You have to be intimate with fear. Mm. You have to be intimate with fear because there are going to be things that will come um, that will that you'll be afraid of, that you won't know the outcome of. But if you have but if you're intimate with fear, you can put it in its proper place so it doesn't prevent you from achieving your goals. You're listening to the Trailblazers podcast, where we will explore the stories of successful black professionals. Join us as we highlight the knowledge, resources, and tools of these accomplished trailblazers to help provide the know-how, confidence, and motivation you need to blaze your trail. And now, here's your host, Stephen Hart. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Trailblazers podcast. Today on our show, I am excited to welcome a very special guest, Mr. Tyvee Small. Tyvee is the Director of Diversity and Community Relations for the University of Tennessee in the College of Business Administration. So here's a little bit of a background on Tyvee. He graduated from the University of South Florida, Goebbels, with a bachelor, bachelor's degree in communications and a master's degree in education. And he's currently a PhD candidate at the University of Tennessee. Now, prior to his time in Knoxville, he was the education coordinator and assistant to the mayor for the uh, city of West Palm Beach, Florida. Now, Tyvee is also very involved in his community. He serves on the board of directors for the Knoxville Area Urban League and Leadership Knoxville. And uh, he's an active member and board member of the Knoxville Alumni Chapter of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. And he's also a board member of the Development Corporation of Knox County. Now, this was an all-around terrific interview where Tyvee just kept pouring out so much amazing wisdom. And I really gained so much from this interview about where, you know, he he explained so much about um, seeking out more sponsors instead of simply finding mentors. And he left us with so many inspiring messages and quotes that I would love you to shoot me a, a tweet after you've listened to the episode at TBPod. And, um, you know, let me know what your favorite takeaway was from this episode today. So, you know, without further delay, let's go ahead and dive into today's episode. Tyvee, welcome to today's show and thank you for being our guest. Thank you for having me, Stephen. Man, I've shared a little bit about you in our intro, but, you know, we want to get beyond the, the scripted bio a bit. Right. Could you maybe share something that's not polished for media consumption, but it's 100% Tyvee? <laughs> I don't know what it is. Uh, there's not much that is that is not polished. No, no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, hey, I'm corny. Hey, 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 I'm, I, I like to laugh. I like to have fun. I'm, I'm corny. I think my jokes are funny. Um, nobody else does. <laughs> uh, but I, I enjoy life. I like to, you know, you, you only get one life. And so I want to make the best of this one. So I'd rather spend time uh, enjoying it and laughing than than worrying about the small stuff. That's it. That's so true. So for the benefit of our audience, could you maybe share a little bit about what it is that you do in your day-to-day at UT? Okay, so I'm with the Haslam College of Business at the University of Tennessee, and uh, my current role, I serve as Director of Diversity and Community Relations, and I serve as the college's Chief Diversity Officer and also the Chief Community Relations Officer. So my diversity job is really spent um, making sure that uh, we create an environment, um, both in faculty and staff and students, that is welcoming, as we as we say, welcoming to all and hostile to none. And so I do all of the diversity workshops, training, uh, recruitment, hiring, um, uh, student programs, outreach, access programs for undergraduates. And then on the community relations side, um, I, I do a lot of corporate and business partnerships, working with a lot of not-for-profits in the area. Um, and I serve on quite a few boards trying to link the university resources to the greater Knoxville and greater in the greater community's resources. Wow, Tyvee. Man, that's a lot of scope. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you're making some of the entrepreneurs head spin right now. Um, how do you how do you. So let's talk about it. How do you actually manage that much scope? How do you stay 
on top of so many different things happening at the same time. You know, people talk about when you see successful people, you really determine a, per, a successful, particularly a business man and woman by the person they surround themselves with. And number mm-hmm. one is I have a really good team, a really committed team of folks that I work with. Um, and then also I have support from the top down. So we understand mm-hmm. the importance of diversity in, in corporate America and in the business world. And so um, when I have support, not only from our corporate and business partners, but also university administration. And so when you have those kinds of that kind of support, you, you can do the work you need to do and you have the resources that you need to do that work. Right. Why do you enjoy what you do? Listen, I feel, I, I make a difference. And so one of the things I started um, uh, when I came here was the BETS program. It's a program that takes high school students from all across the all across the southeast and we give them a business to run. So, you know, most high school students, when they come into the university, particularly those who want to study business, they either run a business, have a business idea, um, working working on somebody's business, a friend's business. And so what we've decided to do is take these high, these high ability, diverse kids from all across the southeast, bring them on campus and teach them everything there is to know about business, um, mm. at least for two weeks. Um, all you can all you can learn for two weeks. And to see the return on that investment, Stephen, I tell you, it gives me joy to see these young people who are high school students who are now who have now come to the university. They've graduated from high school, come to the university um, and now are, are starting their own business. The, the, the gentleman that's doing um, my wedding invitations and, and, and programs for my wedding um, is one of those students who came through the program, graduated from UT and have started and run and runs a successful business here in town. Wow. Wow, that's 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 got to be incredibly rewarding to kind of see that transition take place, right? Absolutely. You know, someone who I met as a, as a high school a high school junior who is now wow. just, he's he's doing great things in the business world, and I mean that that that's what gets me up every day to see us provide opportunities for young people to to grow, develop, learn, and be contributing members of our society. You can't beat that. Yeah, you certainly can't. So let me ask you, what enticed you to follow this path that you found yourself on? Was this always something you, you kind of envisioned doing as, as, as a younger version of you? No, you know, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. I have no idea <laughs> what I want to be when I grow up. But what, what happened was um, you take advantage of opportunities that are pre- presented before you, and then you, you have to have faith that whatever higher power um, you believe in is preordaining your steps, right? And so... Mm-hmm. When I was at the University of South Florida, I was really involved as a student, um, just really involved in a lot of stuff as a student. And so when I graduated, I had, a, had an opportunity to work there. And when I was working at the University of South Florida, um, I was doing a lot of multicultural recruitment and scholarships. It was a phenomenal job um, as a new as a young grad. And then and then I had the opportunity to go work for the mayor of West Palm Beach, Lois Frankel, who is now in Congress. And that was a phenomenal opportunity. And I got that opportunity with the mayor because of the stuff that I had done as an undergrad working with the Florida Students Association and some other things. And when this opportunity at U at UT came up, it really married both what I had done at USF and then what I had done in the mayor's office, working on a lot of her um, business partnerships, particularly business and educational partnerships. And so when you take someone who had, I just had this really interesting experience and just so happened UT was looking for someone who had that same skill set. And so we were able to, mm-hmm. to, to marry, um, marry both of those skill set. And this has been a right. great opportunity for me. Wow. So in present day, I know you have a lot happening right now, as you echoed uh, a moment right. ago, you're about to get married. Right. From information I've read, you're working on your PhD. Correct. I should be done, hopefully, fingers crossed, in either May or or December of 2016. Wow. Congrats on both. Thank uh, you. Thank you. you know, both both big, big items uh, um, this year, right? Right. So, um, <laughs> this, just, go ahead. Now, I was going to say 2016 is my year. <laughs> that it is. That it is. So um, probably staying on theme, you know, do you have mentors today or a mastermind group that kind of keeps you progressing forward and helping you um, remain accountable to your goals? 
So, so yeah, so I, I have a, a well, I call them my board of directors, and I talk to when I talk to students, I say get you a board of directors. These are these are people who are going to tell you the truth, um, no matter what. These are people who are going to look out for you. These are people who who, who have been where you're you're going to you, where you're trying to get to. And so get a get a, a a a group of mentors that you consider your board of directors, and these are the people that will help guide you, and they can be from all walks of life. Um, most of the the most salient things I've learned, I come from my grandma. Most of the stuff I wrote an article recently that was published in the Knoxville Business Journal, and it was really talking about the leadership lessons that are all around you. And so a lot of the things that I've learned about leading people and leading teams and leading organizations didn't come from some book I read or some from some corporate executive, but it was the lessons that I learned from my grandma, my aunts, my sister, my mom. And so lead, and so when you talk about getting your board of directors, make sure it's a, it's a diverse group of people. That represents the totality of who you are. But, Stephen, one of the things that I've really learned uh, recently is mentors are good and mentors will give you advice. And when you seek them out, um, they'll be there for you. But what what I tell students now is to get sponsors. Right. So mentors Mm -hmm. is passive, but sponsors are active. Right. So sponsors Mm -hmm. are the people who are going to open doors for you. Not just tell you which door to go go to, but a sponsor is going to be someone who will grab your hand, who will open the door and say, "This is Tyvee. I know him. Let's give him an opportunity." So, and I think so. I think sponsors take it a step further than mentors. Mentors are great people to have, um, and I t- and trust me, I have several. Um, but more and more, I'm looking for sponsors, people who are going to see my value, see what I can bring to any situation or any organization, and then um, and and then open doors for me. And so. Right now, I tell my students, you, you want to get sponsors, not mentors. So who would be a sponsor for one of your students? Maybe give us an example of what that would look like in, in, um, in your – give us a case study of, of maybe how um, one of your students have kind of connected with a sponsor and what they were able to do for them. Well, I can talk about students or I can talk about myself. Um, sure. Let's, let's, so when I moved here, you know, one, of my, one of my greatest sponsors in Knoxville has been Phyllis Nichols. Phyllis is the president and CEO of the Knoxville Area Urban League. When I came to Knoxville, um, I was involved with the, the, the Urban, League, uh, uh, Urban League of the Palm Beaches. And when I came here, um, the Urban League president in West Palm um, connected Phyllis and I. And when I came here, Phyllis not only said, hey, Tybee, you know, this is what you need to do. I'm going to help you get connected. But Phyllis really opened doors. She allowed me to join. Um, she recruited me for this board called Introduction Knoxville that connected mm-hmm. me with so many other young. Actually, I won't not not all young, but these are professionals who are either ready to get reengaged into the community or who are or who are new to the area who want to get engaged. And so there are people, they're bank presidents, they're hospital CEOs, they're C-suite people, they're educators, they're government officials, they're politicians. And so Phyllis said, hey, Tybee, you need to do this. These are the people Mm -hmm. that you need to talk to. Let me open this door for you. Then Phyllis um, got me engaged with the Urban League and and doing some stuff with what we call our National Achievers Society. She then um, uh, worked with the board to get me appointed to the board of directors for the Knoxville Area Urban League. And so from her opening those doors, Stephen, what happened was I got another door open and I got exposure to other other people. And then that opened the door and I got exposure to other people. And so people people talk about how connected I am in the community. And that was all because people like Phyllis Nichols, Phyllis in particular here in Knoxville, opened doors for me, got me in the right rooms, got me connected with the people that I needed to be connected to. And so um, that is an, an example of sponsorship. She didn't just say, hey, Tybee, this is what you need go to talk do. To that person. Go talk right. to that person. She would say, hey, let me bring you to this meeting with me so you can talk to that person or, hey, Tybee, right. come here with me or Tybee. I need you to be here, be my guest at this event so you can meet this person. And what happened is professionally, how it, ha- how it helped professionally was now I have access to leaders, um, both business and, and po- political leaders who can now provide opportunities for our students, who can now right. provide internships for our students, who can now provide professional um, jobs for our students, who can provide all the other things we need our students to have access to to be successful. And so that's the example of me having a sponsor. Right, right. So, I mean, very important, very important for your students, more important for your students as they get out into the working world. Right. And um, I think that's that's huge um, for anyone um, at any level. That's great. I, I, I hope that everyone listening kind of absorbs that. And if you're in a, a position to be a sponsor, I encourage you to do so. It's 
very rewarding. Um, you know, and I, I've benefited a, a great deal, Tybee, um, right. from what you just echoed there a moment ago. You know, so many people who have um, said, Stephen, you know, I really appreciate what you're doing with the podcast. Keep it going. <laughs> and then there are other people, you know, who have actually stepped in and um, helped me to secure some of the interviews you guys have listened to so far. So right. and they've been sponsors in that regard. So thanks for that example. That, that's that's great. In each of these interviews, right. um, one of the things that's important to, to me and to our audience is for us to not only hear about your successes, right? But let's talk about some of the challenges, some of the, the fears and failures that, you know, probably have helped you along the journey, right? Right. Um, we all experience, you know, bumps and bruises, especially earlier on in the career journey, right? So I'd love if you could share uh, with us maybe some of the biggest lessons you learned earlier on, maybe at USF, when you were still failing, in terms of leadership lessons, one of the things I think one of the things that I learned early on was I, I ran for student body president at, U, at USF and I, I won the election as a write in. Uh, my, my my running mate and I and then we got kicked out of the election um, <laughs> due to some crazy stuff. Um, it wasn't anything illegal, but just a, a minor policy violation. And, and what I learned, uh, what I learned from that situation is about resilience. Where if you're doing things for the right reason, you can still make a difference regardless of if you don't have the title or don't have the accolades or, or those kinds of things. Um, and so I'm always I'm always that, I, that, I, that that's a really good reminder to me that um, there's like my grandma used to say, there's always more than one way to skin a cat. If you if you didn't win the election, but can you still can you still live out what you wanted to live out in terms of making the campus better by doing it in other in other areas. Mm-hmm. And I hope that's what I did to show people that um, I wasn't in this for me, but I was really in it for uh, for the betterment, if you will, of, of the entire student body. And then the next year we ran again and then we won. Um, and so I had a chance to be student body president, at, you know, for my USF days, you know, when I left USF. Mm. I tell you, Stephen, um, when I started working at USF and I do believe this, I could have retired from USF. Um, because, you know, folks had known me, they had seen me grow up. I was working there as a professional. I got my master's while I was working there. But one of the key things that happened is I needed to find out um, if I was as good as I said I was, as people said I was. Right. And and I don't mean Mm -hmm. that in, in in a bragging but you know it's like when your mom when your mom when you draw something and your mom goes that's a beautiful picture (laughs) now we all know it looks horrible but that's what mom says right (laughs) mom says it's a beautiful picture and so usf was my mom if if you will in terms of you know giving me opportunities Mm -hmm. yeah i had some great mentors but i needed to challenge myself and what i would tell people is if you really want to grow you really want to learn you really want to develop you have to challenge yourself you have to get out of that comfort zone that you've built for yourself that says, hey, things are, are fine. Uh, you know, I, they're, they're paying me well. I, I, I'm doing good work. But sometimes you have to you have to challenge yourself. And I don't right. think if if I had stayed at USF, I'm just not sure that I would have grown as much as I had. I, 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 I have, you know, going to the mayor's right. office. Yeah. Going into the mayor's office. Boy, was that a that was that was an eye opening opening experience. And I enjoyed every minute of it. And then now coming here to the University of Tennessee and and being able to do some of the things that I've done here. And so I would say you got to challenge yourself. You got to get out of your comfort zone and you got to really be honest with yourself about what you want out of life. Right. So those are some of the things I've learned. Absolutely. Great points, man. Um, you know, it, it 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 lends it leads me to another question that I've asked a couple of guests before you. And that is, you know, are you more afraid of failing to achieve a goal that you've set? Or do you think you're more afraid of the larger responsibilities that come after you've messed around and achieved that goal? The first part, maybe failing. Um, I think I'm more afraid to, to achieve the goal. I think that um, once I set set out on, on, on a goal, I think if I achieve it, I think I would have put myself in, in the position to be successful in that. Right. I know that leadership um, is an awesome responsibility and I think I'm I, I, I think I'm prepared for it. I don't think I don't ever go into a situation or an opportunity thinking I, I'm not going to do well. I'm not going to meet my objectives. I think by the time I get to the point where I'm ready to make it happen, I'm, I'm, I've psyched myself out both uh, you know, mentally and physically, and I'm ready to achieve that goal. And so I would say it's it's 
probably more afraid that I'll, I'll, I'll fail to achieve it. Mm-hmm. Did that make sense? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So let's expand on this, this fear, fear factor, right? Could you maybe right. share with us something that you feared on your journey um, that you had to overcome to experience some of the growth that you've been sharing with us? And tell us what you did to overcome those fears. You know, people people often don't realize this, but I I, I am public speaking is not my thing, and I think it, it it was not necessarily not necessarily the fact that um um I couldn't do it, but it was a, it, it was how people would receive it. So I was worried about what people would think, how they would they would react, how they would receive what I'm trying to share, and so. I've, I've 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 often tried to sh- shy away from public speaking, but it's those mentors and those people around you sometimes who see something in you that you don't see in yourself, and so they consistently push me into situations and positions where I had to I had to do that right. pretty pretty regular. And people see me, and when I talk to close friends and I tell them about this, they go, "There is absolutely no way that you have any." He said, "You do it. I see you do it." <laughs> <laughs> multiple times a week, whether it's a group of 800 people that you're leading for the MLK, uh, the MLK symposium or the diversity job fair where you're emceeing that with uh, with our, our corporate employer, corporate employers, um, corporate partners. And so people see me do it so often that they, they don't understand that it still it, it still represents a little bit of trepidation for me. But right. but to get over that fear, I just did. Um, Susan Packer, we had an event. We had an event. Um, Stephen, last week, um, a women, women in Business Summit, our first annual, and uh, I coordinated that for, um, uh, or, or led that um, for for the university. Um, for, nice. And we had Susan Packard speaking. Susan Packard is the co-founder of HGTV and Scripps Networks. So if you guys watch HGTV, Great American Country, DIY yeah. Travel Channel, she's the co-founder of that that organization, uh, that company. And one of the things she said, which I thought was so profound for some reason, was you have to be intimate with fear. Mm. You have to be intimate with fear because there are going to be things that will come um, that will that you'll be afraid of that you won't know the outcome of. But if you have but if you're intimate with fear, you can put it in its proper place so it doesn't prevent you from achieving your goals. And so that's wow. one of the things that I'm, I'm starting to live by. I must have repeated that. God, the event was two weeks ago and I must have repeated that 10 times now to people who I'm talking to or mentoring or sponsoring about this intimacy you have to have with fear in order in order to overcome it and then be successful. So, Tyve, how did you actually overcome? How did you get intimate with your fear of public speaking and actually overcome that? Were you? I did. did you ever? I, I, you just did it. I did it. I, I I looked up. I you know there are a few you know for my summer program we we do we bring these people in to talk about public speaking and so I was sitting in the back of the room and listen just like my students were you know talking about mm-hmm. presenting because the business camp that I talked to you about earlier the students have to present their businesses so they have to go out and they have four quarters. They have they get money. They have to make decisions about where they're going to open offices, what products, lines. And at the end of it, um, they have to present their businesses. And so we have some people come in and talk about public speaking. And so I would sit in the back of the room and I would make notes and I would internalize some of the things they said that you know most great public speakers do. And so there right. was a bit of a, a quasi academic thing that I did that I uh, that I, you know, took notes and kind of jotted jotted some comments and thoughts down about how I can improve mine. Um, and then the other thing, it, the other thing I, I did was I I did it. Right. So I, I just did it. You know, right. so the more I did it, the more I became comfortable with it. I can remember I, I can remember just getting just sweating and getting so nervous and Yep. Now when I do it, now when I I do it, I I think you know I put myself in the mind, the headspace of this is my show, kind of like like Stephen Hart, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know like Trailblazers. I I think this is my show, and I'm responsible for shepherding this from start to finish. And so now it's more it's easier for me to do that. It's easier for me to connect with it because the thing I thought is I I, I thought I had to be somebody else. Right. I looked mm-hmm. at the people who did it well and I and I and I and I thought I had to be them or such and such does it like this or such and such is this way. And once I realized that I, I just had to be myself, I didn't have to be a, a, a version of somebody else. I think I became more comfortable with the idea of being me. You know, I'm quirky, so I tell jokes. I connect with the audience. You know, I, I do things like that that I think are comfortable for me. And I think people see that and they feed off of it. And then. Uh, for what people say, I do a fairly good job at it. 
Right. So for some of our guests who maybe don't have the platform you do to force themselves into public speaking, I'll just go ahead and give a plug to Toastmasters, Toastmasters International. Yes. I I knew a year ago, I knew four years ago I was going to podcast, but I knew a year ago that, you know, this was going to happen. My goal was end of end of 2015 to have this podcast going and it 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 did started in December 2015 didn't actually publish till February of this year but um I joined Toastmasters and it really helped me to begin to get in front of people and get comfortable getting up there and getting getting through those sweaty palms and right. the ums and the ahs which still come but you learn to become a little bit more comfortable it helps you with your public speaking helps you develop some confidence, helps you some leadership skills. So maybe for some of your students, too, right. that might be listening to this and um, and others, it, it, you know, in, in the business community, you, you have a local Toastmasters chapter and, yeah, and it's very inexpensive and um, very, very accessible to to you to be able to improve on your public speaking skills. So, uh, right. And and. and and when when you talk about communication, when you're in business, I, and this is one of the things I talk to students about, when you're in business in particular, like all, all of our students are getting business degrees. Communication, right. being able to communicate effectively is so important. Um, Absolutely. Um, no matter what, no matter what level uh, you're in in the business, whether you're at the ground floor, where you're entry level, or you're at the C-suite, being able right. to communicate with those, you know, being able to communicate up and down. Um, it's so important. And so this generation, I see a lot of times because of social media and and, and, and text language that it's it's harder and harder now for them to mm-hmm. be able to communicate effectively, communicate their ideas, communicate their thoughts. And so it so is very, very important. It's very important. Absolutely. It is concerned about the soft skills. Eh? Soft skills are important. And, and that's one of the things that we realized um, is our students, technically, they were sound. Nobody could hold a candle to them. But the soft skills is what would trip our students up a lot. Mm, mm. So I appreciate you sharing that. That was a, a excellent example of fear. And, um, you know, we're we're appreciative of, of, you know, the idea of just getting out there and getting it done to help overcome um, that fear. And that's a fear that just about everybody has, right? Right. It, it, it's, with public speaking and, and communicating. Um, Tyvee, do you have any, any daily rituals or routines that help you keep your mind sharp and, and help you stay grounded? Yeah, two things. Number one is um, prayer. I, have a, I, I, I think I have a pretty solid prayer life. And then the nice. other thing that I that that I do so whatever being again that that you connect with being able to ground yourself one of my um, mentors actually one of my sponsors um, Dr. Anton Reese talks about this you know grounding yourself every morning before you go into whatever situation take some time um, to ground yourself if you have to get up earlier. Um, uh, to do what you need to do, but when you go into when you get up in the morning and then when you go into the office, take some time to ground yourself. Meaning, you, you don't answer emails, you don't answer the phone, but you just take time to process, to mentally process what you have going on for the day, and then you get into the to, to the day to day issues of, of of work. And so I try to you know maintain a healthy prayer life and also try to ground myself every morning when I get up. Before I do anything, um, I'll pray, I'll ground myself, and then I read three newspapers. I read them online, and I read three newspapers every single day. Right. Yep. Every day. I, I, I found that, you know, on the flip side of the wheel, it's almost impossible for me to ground myself <laughs> at home because I, I typically wake up to two two screaming kids telling me to get out of bed, and um, and I'm usually on daddy duty in the morning time. But to that point, very important, very important, and I actually do that. When I get to my office before I get out the car and actually ground myself, as you've as you've said, and just put myself in a in a place of calm before I actually get into the workday. So uh, wherever that may be, guys, you know, definitely work on that. It it really helps to just get your center of focus right before you step into your day. Right. Um. So question for you, yes, sir. Throw throw something at you. If you found out tonight that you could have dinner. With any two people, alive or from the history books, who would they be? Alive or the history books? Well, ah, there's so many people. Um, would love to have dinner with MLK. Um, at this point, there, there are two people that I, I, I miss dearly who passed away. And one is my sister, 
Artia. Um, she uh, passed away in a car accident in 2008. And I would just love to just spend time laughing with her. Um, she loved life. Um, she loved to laugh. Um, she loved people. And so I would just sit with her one, one more time and just have a great, a great, a great laugh. And then the other person would be my grandmother, Josephine Small. I, I was just uh, uh, mom, call, call her mom. She was everybody's mom. Um, and so uh, okay. grandma, I probably would just uh, sit with her and just listen to her nuggets about life. Grandma, like I said, she was just such a wise, a wise woman who just said so many weird things back then that um, I, I now see myself using um, in my day-to-day professional life that those little things that she would say that you never thought like she would always say you, you can get bees <laughs> more bees with honey than you can vinegar you know and, mm. and so talking about how how you relate to people how you communicate with people not to to fly off the handle not to be at attitudinal but really um, using using the art of communication to get what you need. Just things like that, that that grandma would say, you know, nothing, nothing comes, <laughs> nothing comes uh, to a sleeper but a dream, you know, and, and, and saying, you know, you got to get up and, and each day um, yeah. be active in life, make things happen. You know, if you just sat, sit back and you slept, you know, you're just going to you're just going to dream. But when you wake up, there's still no reality there. And so things like that. So um, those 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 are two of the people that I would I, I would want to want to have have dinner with. Thanks for sharing that. And I guess it leads me to another question. Did family have an effect in, in shaping your career? And if so, why is family so valuable to, to kind of the journey you're on? I wouldn't be here without family. Family is, is very important to me. Um, you know, they have helped shaped me into the man I am today. Um, mm-hmm. They have guided me. They have supported me um, as a first generation college student. Um, you know, while they didn't go to college themselves, many in my family, they knew it was important and it was they knew it was important that I got there. And so when they talk about it takes a village, you know, my entire village helped raise me and my entire village helped get me to this point in my, my, in my life. And so family is family is, is of utmost importance to me because of the role that they played. Um, I I didn't even realize higher ed was a was a profession um, until I until I was a senior um, graduating from college, I didn't realize that people actually got paid to, you know, work in admissions and work in student activities and all that other stuff. And so I did have an aunt who was a, who was a teacher. And what she did was she exposed me. She didn't have any biological kids. And so I was uh, I was de facto one of her biological kids. And so she exposed me to a whole lot. And I think that exposure, wow. I'm from a very small town in South Florida called Pahokee. And so coming from Pahokee, my aunt Janice exposed me to so much that once I realized that there was a life out of, outside of Pahokee, man, right. Stephen, I wanted a part of that. I mean, there were some things <laughs> I can remember. She used to take me to Okeechobee Steakhouse and I used to be a kid and could barely see over the table. We would go there and, you know, we would have this fine meal. And I thought, wow, you know, people go out to eat and they don't have to get a number, right? You know, give me number four, give me number three with no cheese. <laughs> And so I remember her taking me to my first NFL game. I was, I think I was in fifth grade when I went to, wow. when I went to my first, and, and it was actually the uh, New Orleans Saints and the uh, New York Jets. Wow. And just seeing life, I thought, Stephen, I thought only like really, really rich people got to go to NFL games. I didn't know those were just regular people. And so the more I, I, she, I got that exposure, the more, the, the, the more I wanted to, to do and be more um, in my life. Let me ask you, you know, was there ever one specific decision that you made or maybe a defining moment that you considered to be a significant one and really resulted in you getting to where you are today? Wow. I think from my work in student government as a student leader, because, um, I, I, you know, high school, you know, college was my do over. Um, college was mm-hmm. my do over. So I know that, you know, we're talking to a lot of professional people, but um uh, you know, if there were any young people out there, you know, high school, I didn't as a as a as a as a, as a male, you didn't want to be, you know, too. I can remember one of my teachers saying, you know, Tyvee, you would say some of the most brilliant things. Then you would follow that up with some of the stupidest things I've ever heard. And mm-hmm. so what I would do is when I found myself being too smart and my boys would look at me like, where did that come from? And then so I would have to say something totally stupid, you know, to counteract all the intelligence. <laughs> I was, you know, this was this was life. You wanted to fit in. You wanted to you wanted to, you know, you, you wanted to be a part of the crowd. Right. And I so, connect to you on that, man. 
you know, I, I remember Mr. Davis saying that to me. He said, you know, you would say some of the most brilliant stuff followed by the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And so, um, <laughs> and so when I got to college, that was my, that was my opportunity for a do over. That was my opportunity to, to be and do and get involved in everything I wanted to. And so I, that, that, that's what college was for me. That's what college did for me. I didn't know a whole lot about college. I know that, um, when Dr. Wright came to my high school, you remember Dr. Wright, I'm sure. Uh, Dr. Wright, yeah. the reason I came to you. At same the- <laughs> here, same here. And, uh, you know, Dr. Once, once I got accepted into USF, that, that was my opportunity to, 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 to do and be all the things that I never, uh, I never either knew I could be or knew I can be in public without, you know, without really ridicule. So. Mm. I think I even I, I don't even remember what the question was, but yeah, I thought that was a, a pretty <laughs> significant <laughs> significant story. Uh, yeah, that's cool. So we spoke about comfort zones earlier, right? right? How do you keep from falling into and getting stuck in comfort zones with with your work? If I'm not challenging myself and pushing myself, I I know when I get and I, you, you have to know self, right? Know thyself, right? So I, I know me. I know when I am not being challenged. I know when I am not pushing myself, when, when life gets too easy, when I don't get those butterflies in my stomach, um, you get stuck in routine, you get stuck in routine. And so if I don't have that, I know that, you know, I, it, life just gets too easy. And so mm-hmm. when I, when I see that happening, I either challenge myself, me and my team and I will come up with something new, something, the next impactful thing. I don't do things just to do it, but it, because it has, it has to have impact. And so mm-hmm. what I try to do is come up with the next opportunity to make an impact. Um, and so that gets me out of my comfort zone. That gets me um, to the next challenge. Um, and so that's what I generally do. And I, and I talk to the people that I work with, um, particularly my bosses, and I say, hey, listen, you know, what, what's, you know what, what's, what's on the horizon? What's the next thing that's, that's coming up? And so I try mm-hmm. to just try to stay on the forefront of that and try to then head that off. And so I'm always trying to give myself a new challenge. Cause I feel myself. So what, so what does that look like, right? Like how 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 does that uh, is that setting goals? Is that writing out plans? Like, give us an a- idea of what we could do to kind of push ourselves to that new and higher height. Um, to to definitely set goals, figure out you know have have a a, a two three five year plan, right? Figure out where mm. you want to be, and then and and and, and, and write it down. It's not, mm-hmm. you, you know, you can have a plan in your mind, but when you get up every morning and you see that plan taped to your mirror or or in your bathroom or wherever it is that you, uh, you know, th- that you frequent in your in your house or in, in your office. If it's written on, get a board, um, a dry erase board and write those things down. And when you look at it every day, it continues. It's, it's, it's almost like your, your, your guiding star. Right. Because every day you have you see that, you know, that I need to be working towards that goal. So absolutely write it down. Get accountability partners, you know, speak it. Share it. And then that way, when people ask you about it, you have no you, you you have no no choice but to continue to work forward or work towards it. Because guess what? You put it in the atmosphere. You have spoken something that is not as though it were. So now you got to make it happen. All right, Napoleon Hill. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I have to take a, 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 a opportunity right there. Tyvee. Um I've been listening to Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill all weekend in audiobook formats and almost everything you're touching on right there is points in this book from 80 years ago right right 80 years ago the reason andrew carnegie and you know so many others were successful you know are because of exactly the points you've just shared you know getting a mastermind group getting accountability partners writing out your goals and and reading them to yourself you know a couple times a day um, it works. It just out, outright works, right? It does. It absolutely does. I mean, and, and you hold you, you have to hold yourself accountable. You have to realize that, um, yeah, you need other people to hold you accountable, but first and foremost, you have to hold yourself accountable. Yeah. You have to be honest with yourself to say, if you are honest, sometimes we, 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 we can, you know, we can play this humble card when it comes to other people and, oh, no, I'm just working hard, just doing it. But at some point, you have to, you have to look at yourself and say, this is what I want. This is where I want to go. And this is how I got to get there. So so, right. so be honest and true to yourself about where you want to be and what you want to do um, and then make it happen. Absolutely. So 
let's come back to your team for a second, right? Right. Maybe share with some of the the folks listening who may may manage teams uh, or entrepreneurs looking to grow their business. What are three fundamental lessons you teach a rookie on your team to help lay a firm foundation for success in their career and also as part of the team in helping you guys grow? Number one, I think it is, you have to when you when you're leading people and managing managing teams, you have to give them the tools they need to be successful and then get out of their way. Right. Mm -hmm. So your job as a leader and a manager is to keep keep them away from the politics and the noise of the organization. Right. And so you have to understand that your role as a leader is to shield and protect your team from all of from all of that stuff so that they can bring their best selves to work every day. And so that's one of the things that I try to live by in terms of leading my team. The other thing is, I would say, is passion. Um, you got to be passionate about what you do. Your, your your team feeds off of your your energy and your attitude, and so you have to bring that passion. You have to bring a a positive attitude to work every day. And then the other thing is, is, is I when people talk about leadership, Stephen, I, I I assign a moral moral and ethical value to people who I consider a leader. Right. Mm-hmm. So in, because some people say, well, a leader, somebody who gets a job or tax, a task accomplished. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, in that case, Hitler would right. be considered a leader. <laughs> I don't consider him a leader. Bin Laden, yeah. you know, people will say him. I don't consider him a leader. And so I assign more a moral and ethical compass to the people that I consider leaders. And so I would say leaders, you have to be the moral and ethical compass of your organizations. Of your teams, whether you're starting, uh, whether you're starting out as a as an entrepreneur or you're working for Fortune One or Fortune Five in the company, um, you whatever team you lead, whether it's a team of one, meaning yourself, or a team of a hundred, you have to set the moral and ethical compass for your organizations. Right, absolutely. Those are great, great lessons, man. Great tips to to focus on. Tyvi, I I just want to take. A quick 30 seconds to acknowledge you. You have made a commitment to impact the lives that will shape the generations to come. And you're improving our world with the work that you're doing right now at University of Tennessee and just giving back through all the organizations in your community that you lend your time and resources to. And, Thank you. you know, you're just a terrific example and role model for our future trailblazers. Yeah. And on behalf of our community, we just want to thank you for your commitment each and every day thank in you. the work that you're doing. You're welcome. I, I, I enjoy doing what I do. I really do enjoy it. Awesome. So we've got just a few more minutes, so I'm going to speed things up a bit. Are you ready? Ready. All right. So what's one book you've read in the past year that's inspired you? There are a few that inspired me. Um, I, I want to stay away from the political realm here. Um, <laughs> my fiance just gave me the Go-Giver. And so I'm really, you know, taking I haven't read the book all the way through, but I'm taking nuggets out of that book um, in terms of how to give back and how to how to lead with with community in mind. The other thing is um, leadership by Rudy, 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 Rudy Giuliani was really, really good in terms of the leadership lessons that he learned from um, 9-11. And then last, wow. um, Walking with the Wind by John Lewis. That was one of the most. Oh, my goodness. That was one of the most honest and real um john lewis is, is con- representative john lewis in congress in dc um mm-hmm. and was a, one of the snick um leaders and if you saw the movie uh mlk movie uh, mm-hmm. uh i'm thinking with the song glory i can't remember the name of it um uh recently um he was one of the student leaders of uh the student non-violent non-violent coordinating committee and that was one of the most powerful honest um, to salient depictions of the civil rights movement that I've that I've that I've read ever, and so I would definitely say that's probably my top. Walking okay. with the Wind by John Lewis. All right, guys, if you're guy, if you guys are on the go, just remember that I'm gonna post this on the show notes page at tvpod.com. So we'll put up all these books there for you guys to to get access to them. Tyvi, what is something small you've done in the last month that you're proud of? Oh, small. Um. I spend time with my mentee. Um, uh, I have a young man who, who goes to church with me, who we have some of the same background. And uh, just today, um, we, you know, I spent some time with him, listening to him, talking to him, pouring into him. And so I think that um, it's, it's our responsibility to give back. And so just spending time with 
my mentee or um, uh, driving my mom. My mom got a new car here here in Knoxville and driving all the way from Tennessee to Florida to bring her her new car. <laughs> nice. Um, so that she she needed a tutorial because it's one of those cars where it has push button start. And so mom's like, wait a minute, I'm in information overload. So I said, you know what, mom, instead of shipping the car, I'll just drive it down for you. Boy, nice. boy, was that tired. That was tiring. But, you know, it's what you do for family. Nice. Tell me, um, can, a, can a trailblazer have too many goals? Um, a trailblazer can't have too many goals, but you have to prioritize the importance of the goals. Right. So you can Absolutely. have a bunch of goals, but it, but you have to be realistic. You can't eat the whole elephant in one sitting. You have to, you know, take bite by bite by bite by bite. And so definitely have lots of goals, have lots of lofty goals, but organize them and prioritize them and then go one at a time. And it, it, and even if you don't succeed in every goal, at least you tried. You know, someone says, you know, shoot for the moon. And even if you miss, you'll still land among the stars. That's what I look at in terms of goal setting. You know, sometimes right. it's not about the journey, about the destination, but it's about the journey. The journey. You know, even yeah. though if you never hit it, but you were better today than you were yesterday and you'll be tomorrow better tomorrow than you were today. And so right. look at the destination, not necessarily look at the journey, not necessarily the destination. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, name an online resource. It could be an app, software or tool that you use every day that you can't live without. <laughs> this is simple. I you know, I, e- email. I, I mean, I'm just a regular old email guy. I'm not a real big techie, um, right. but um, email I use often. Um, I use my Outlook and then MapQuest. I am horrible with directions, and so I am plugging <laughs> in. I am plugging in my phone to 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 MapQuest almost every. I've lived in Knoxville eight years, and I still use MapQuest to go to the simplest places. <laughs> Don't judge me. Nice. <laughs> Tyvee, why is it important for you to volunteer and give back with both your time and talent? You only you only have one life, like I said earlier, and you want to make the best of it. And I know that I didn't get um, to where I am or to where I'm going by myself. There were people who poured into me, who took time to mentor me, who took time to sponsor me, who took time to show me things that I would not have seen otherwise. And so I think it's incumbent on me um, to do the same. You know, so to whom much is given, you know, you know, much is required. And so it is it, it. I think it's not only something nice to do, but I think it's my duty. It's my job to to impact my community, wherever that may be. One of the things that we talk about in Leadership Knoxville is to bloom where you're planted. Right. Mm. Bloom where you're planted, whether you're in Knoxville for college or you're in Tampa for college or you're in your first job out of out of uh, out of undergrad and you're in a city for a year or a year and a half or two years, take an opportunity while you're planted there is is bloom. Share your time. You know, you don't know how valuable time is to other people, although it may seem um, as something very, very small to you. It means a whole lot to somebody else. Um, share, share your talents. Right. If you have a particular skill that you can use to help your community, if you're a CPA, for instance, and you know there's a local not-for-profit out there who's struggling to to get their books in order, or a local not-for-profit who needs somebody to help them with their financial plan. Use that that talent that you have to help somebody. And then your treasures, as we talk about, you know, granted I, I can't write the the the, the million-dollar check like you can, Stephen, but <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> but but um, there is something that we all can do to help to help another organization or help somebody in need. So I say your time, your talent and your treasures, because we we are a community, Stephen, and, and I am a firm believer that a rising tide raises all ships. Right. So mm-hmm. as other people do well and we all do well, we can all come up together. I don't see it as a zero sum game where it, for me, in order for me to win, you got to lose. You know, why can't we all win? Why can't we all ri- rise together? Um, Absolutely. And you, you, you don't understand how the, the, you know, sharing a little bit that you do have can you can help change generations. Right. You don't we don't understand how important that is when the smallest thing that we can do when we share our time, talents and treasures can help change a generation by mentoring a young man who. Who, who didn't even think college was an opportunity now or a possibility who's now in college, who's going to graduate now, who's going to be able to then 
create opportunities for his his his, his siblings and his generation and in, in the next generation. And so that's how we we, we raise raise our community is everybody pitching in. Tyvee, thank you so much, man. That's such an inspiring message to help help us elevate our game today, man. Okay. I, I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged. Tyvee, we appreciate you taking out time out of your super busy wedding planning, <laughs> PhD finishing right. schedule right. Um, to share your, your inspiring tips um, with our community of future trailblazers. And um, tell us how we can stay connected to you and we'll finish up. Um, uh, I am, so I have a, 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 a Instagram account. I never use it. Um, email Tyvee <laughs> Small at Yahoo. Email me absolutely by, uh, uh, on Yahoo or Facebook me. Um, Tyvee Small, T-Y-B-I-S-M-A-L-L at Facebook. Um, you know, find me on Facebook. Stay connected. I'm always willing to, to help where I can, um, and, and to do what I can to, to help folks, um, be the best them every day. Man, I am. I appreciate you so much for taking the time today. Thank you again. Thank, thank you for having me, Stephen, and, and thank you for doing this. You you are doing great work, and you know sometimes um, you're so entrenched in the work that you don't take time to think about what you've done. But I think you you're really opening a wonderful platform for, for folks to to share who they are and to really inspire the next generation of leaders. So thank you so much for what you do, Stephen. Thank you very much, man. Appreciate it. All righty. Well, that's it, guys. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Trailblazers podcast. I hope that you guys took some really good notes today. I know that, you know, I've listened to this episode at least five times now and I've got something new every single time. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and post links to Tyve's recommendations for books and resources on our show notes page. You can find that uh, on our website at tvpod.com slash episode eight now if you enjoyed this episode please 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 subscribe and leave us an honest review you can do that on itunes stitcher radio and or tune in now listen up guys we are putting things in place to launch a brand new exclusive facebook group to build a community for like-minded business professionals and entrepreneurs and if you'd like access to our private community I want you to go ahead and shoot me an email or connect with me on Twitter. My handle is at TBPod, and I want you to let me know that you would have an interest in the community. When it does go live, we're going to be looking to let in only, you know, those people who are extremely passionate, that are confident and ready for success at the highest level. So stay tuned for more information on the private community group, and um, we'll, we'll be able to um, get active together as a group with that so once again i just want to say thank you so much for listening to today's episode now i want you to go out rise above and go way beyond to make today great